0: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: In January 2023, Constance Martin and her boyfriend, Mark Gordon, disappeared and went on the run with their newborn baby, Victoria.
3: A nationwide search resulted in the sad discovery of Victoria's body, and the pair have now been charged with killing her, which they both deny.
2: I'm Jack Hardy, a news reporter for the Daily Mail. I'll be in court every day, reporting the events as they happen.
3: And I'm broadcaster and journalist Caroline Cheaton. Together, we'll take you behind the headlines, bringing you the evidence, witness statements and testimony from the Old Bailey in London.
2: This is The Trial. Constance Martin and Mark Gordon.
3: So in the last episode, we brought you the moment that Constance Martin told police for the first time that her newborn baby Victoria had died while she and her partner Mark Gordon were on the run from the authorities in January last year. Today, we're going to be able to bring you all the detail from the rest of Constance Martin's interviews with the police, which the jury have been watching at the Old Bailey.
2: Yeah, Caroline, so we heard a vast amount of new evidence in court this week, including the description Constance Martin gave to the detectives of the moment she realised that baby Victoria was dead and they were not going to be able to resuscitate her.
3: Today, we'll also bring you more detail about why the couple's previous four children were taken into care after concerns about domestic violence.
2: We'll hear that Constance Martin claimed she didn't hand herself in sooner because she was traumatised by the media attention.
3: And we'll also hear that Victoria's body was carried around in a bag because the couple didn't have the strength to dig a grave.
2: Welcome to Episode 8, Painted as Villains.
3: And Jack, at the end of our episode on Friday, we started to hear Constance Martin's interviews with the detectives. And after initially not being willing to speak to the officers, once she knew the body of Victoria had been found in the allotment shed, she started answering their
4: questions.
2: Yeah, she did. So this was during the interview with PC Paul Garvey on March the 1st. Now, after she answered some questions, she asked to speak to her solicitor and the interview was then paused. We pick it up again when the interview restarted with DC Garvey asking why the couple had gone to New Haven. Their exchange is voiced by actors.
1: All right, I want you to take your time and just think about what you're going to say to me. In as much detail as you can, tell me what happened.
4: Um, well, we were in, um, Harwich, uh, and we were, um, staying outside in the countryside. Um, She was in my jacket, and I was keeping her warm. I was holding her and hugging her, and I was extremely tired. I hadn't slept in probably two days. we just arrived there, and um, I fell asleep with her in my jacket. When I woke up, I was, like, crouched over her like that, holding her, and she wasn't moving when I woke up. I don't know how long I'd been asleep.
1: Take your time.
4: I don't know how long I'd been asleep for. I don't know how long I'd been asleep.
1: Don't. Don't.
4: But I, uh.
1: Do you need a tissue? No. Take your time, Constance. I know this is very distressing.
4: I saw she wasn't moving and her lips had gone blue. Okay. And, yeah, I don't know how long we slept. I don't know why she make any noise, and I was just so tired. I don't know. Yeah, that's all I can say.
1: What did you do when you woke up and Victoria's lips were blue and she wasn't breathing?
4: Um, I tried to resuscitate her. Um, for like... Well, I tried to breathe in her mouth and pump her chest. Um, there was no response. So I wrapped her in a scarf and cradled her for a few minutes. I didn't know what to do.
3: Now, during the interview, it's obvious that Constance Martin was upset and she repeatedly became tearful as she gave this account to the police. And in the dock yesterday, she was visibly emotional again as she watched the footage being played. At one point, she appeared to wipe away a tear.
1: You said this happened in Harwich? Yeah. And you were sleeping out in the open?
4: Yeah, in a tent. Why was that? Because I didn't want police to find us. Or social services. I was trying to find a way of um, finding a property. I mean, I have access to funds, so I wanted to get a property. And obviously I had to do it in a way that the police wouldn't be able to find us with no electrical tracing, potentially paying in cash. But obviously all my cash went up in the car. I'd just gone to Metro Bank in Manchester. Like, that's where I was coming from, um, from Manchester. I just wanted to try and get as much cash out as I could. Um, they only gave me 2,000. I tried to get more than that. Um, because I wanted to rent a property in cash without having any electrical equipment or any electrical tracing so that police couldn't find us. Because obviously by the time we paid for all the taxis we only had so much cash left. Um, and I knew if I used my credit card the police would know where we were. I only had one credit card. The other one went up in the car. So we went in a tent to figure out how potentially we could approach some of the holiday let. Like walk around, find somewhere in a holiday let, rather than doing it on booking.com or anything that could be traced. So that we could just live happily with our baby without being bothered.
1: So when you were staying in Hurridge, out in the open, what were you sleeping
4: in? A tent. A tent? Yeah. We had lots of warm blankets and things, and obviously the baby had her things. She had lots of warm clothes. But we weren't intending to live in a tent for a long period of time. Just when I realized that um, we had limited cash, I knew that I couldn't access the bank because then the police would know where I was. And in fact, that's how they found us the first time. We used our credit card was the night that we got caught. Um, In Brighton, which we didn't want to use the credit card at all. It got to a point where we had to, so... um, What was the question again? Yeah, we were trying to find property, so we weren't intending to stay in the tent for a long period of time. But obviously it was difficult because we couldn't access, between a rock and a hard place, couldn't access the bank. So, um, yeah, we were just trying to figure out what to do in terms of getting a house, accessing money, without the authorities finding out where we were.
2: So she went on to say that she thought Victoria had died in the evening time, when it was still light outside. Twilight was how she described it. She was asked why she had fallen asleep and said it was because she was exhausted. They had been running trying to find somewhere to pitch a tent that was remote and she hadn't slept in a long time. She was then asked where Mark Gordon was, but said she was not going to comment on that. She said they would have to ask him. When the officer pressed her on this, she said Mark Gordon had been there when she was trying to resuscitate Victoria. What was he doing when you were trying to resuscitate Victoria?
4: He was doing it too.
1: Tell me a bit about that.
4: Well, we tried. Pushed her on her chest and breathing through her mouth. That's what we thought we should do.
1: And I think you said earlier on that this is when you realised her lips were blue. Yeah. And she wasn't breathing. Yeah. Did you do anything else at this point when you realised that Victoria wasn't breathing and you were both giving Victoria resuscitation?
4: What do you mean, did I do anything else?
1: Did he go for help?
4: No, because she was definitely not alive. I mean, she wasn't alive. So who's going to help?
1: Did you he have access to a mobile phone at this point to ring 999?
4: Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, we had one phone. But I mean, she wasn't alive. I don't... She was completely limp. I don't know how long she'd been dead for.
1: And I know you said that you couldn't be sure how long you were asleep for.
4: Yeah, but no one would have helped. We wouldn't have been. There's nothing the hospital really could do.
1: No, that's not a criticism in any way, shape or form. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, I'm just trying to establish what actually happened in relation to you. What Mark was doing, what you were doing with Victoria. Do you know? Yeah. All right. So what was the next thing that happened when you realised that she wasn't breathing? You've tried resuscitation, what happened then?
4: Um, well, I held on to her for a few hours, hugging her. I think Mark was telling that, yeah, I had to let go, because, because it's not good to hold her like that, because it probably would be good for my state of mind. So I wrapped her up in a scarf, and then I think we put her in a bag. I didn't know what to do after that. Now at this point in the interview she asked for a tissue and
3: some water and after a brief pause she was asked about how exactly she was holding Victoria and she said the baby was inside her jacket and she was hugging her. She was cross-legged on the floor she said and arched over and that's how she fell asleep. She couldn't remember the exact position Victoria was in at the time but probably horizontal with her head in her arms.
1: You then said that you held her for a couple of hours after you and Mark had tried to resuscitate her, but you realised unfortunately she was blue in the lips and she wasn't breathing. Mm hmm. And then you put her into a bag. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that.
4: Well, I think she lay with us for a while, actually. A few hours. Um I don't know what I meant to tell you. I mean I put her in a bag. I don't know how I can elaborate on that.
1: Well, what kind of bag?
4: It was the bag that she's in now.
1: Right, and then you held on to her afterwards.
4: No, I held on to her before I put her in the bag.
1: All right, then what happened?
4: Well, I wrapped her in black cloth. Was like a, what she's still in now probably, and um, held her for hours, and then said some words over her, and put her in
2: the bag. She was then asked what she had done between the death of Victoria and the point at which she was arrested. She spoke about going to buy some petroleum from a petrol station to cremate the baby's body. She then suggested they had taken a bus or a taxi to somewhere near Brighton, but couldn't be more specific. DC Garvey then asked more questions about baby Victoria.
1: What sort of... what was Mark feeling when obviously Victoria passed away?
4: Well, I'm not him, so I can't tell you how he was feeling.
1: Well, what did he say to you?
4: Well, he was distraught, of course.
1: Tell me about that.
4: Well, you'll have to ask him. I mean, that's his remit, isn't it? Um, we were both very distraught. Um, a bit traumatised by the whole thing. Didn't really move from that area for a few days. Didn't know what to do. And then I think we got a bus from there to Brighton. Four days after it happened. Something.
1: And you still kept Victoria with you? Yeah. From that point to where you are now?
4: I mean, I've been debating what to do, basically. Not knowing what to I don't know whether to bury her in the forest. Um, I did get a spade at one point from the allotment. I was going to bury her here but then um, I didn't have the strength to bury that far deep because I hadn't eaten for so long. And also we wanted to have a proper, I knew that at some point someone was going to ask where the baby was and I wanted an autopsy done. So I was worried that if I was to bury her in the woods potentially an animal could you know, find her and potentially do something to her limbs. So I didn't want that to happen. Um, and I wanted to give her a proper burial. So we carried her with us, not knowing what to do. I mean, she's got soil on top of her, like in the bag. And obviously the bag got extremely heavy. I don't know why her body did that, because I think she's quite light but it's been quite difficult to carry around. It's extremely heavy to carry.
1: What were you eventually going to do with Victoria?
4: Um probably bury her. Um yeah. If I wanted a proper burial, I just want to do it in some forest somewhere. But I didn't have access to funds. Um Constance Martin was then asked what sort of burial she wanted to have and
3: she said she wanted Victoria to have a gravestone, potentially a stone angel next to her with her name on it, somewhere she could visit, she said. She told the detectives that Mark Gordon was the father of the baby and she said no one knew what had happened to the child. She said the media attention scared her and she didn't know whether to hand herself in. She also said the couple had kept moving around England because she thought if they stayed in any one area for more than three days, it would give a local authority jurisdiction over Victoria. They planned to keep moving, she said, until they could find a place to stay and pay with cash in the countryside, like a cottage.
2: Now, it was around 10.47pm by this point, but before the interview finished for the night, Constance Martin said she just wanted to mention something.
4: Yeah, um. Obviously, Mark and I have been doing lots of discussing about um, the situation and what to do and what not to do. Um, Mark was present. He fell asleep also in the tent, but I've told him, um, because I want to protect him, uh, to say that he wasn't there. And that's because, obviously, he's my husband. I told him to say that he wasn't there, but he did. He fell asleep also. Um... And initially we were talking, Mark and I were talking about what to do with the situation. Um, And I think like two weeks after it happened, I was debating about whether to hand myself in. And um, Mark advised me to say that it was a cot death and that I wasn't holding her. Um, And he advised me to say that I lay her down. And then when we woke up, she was on her front and she'd passed away. But that isn't what happened, so he may try to say that in order to protect me. Um, that's because he wants to protect my interests. So he's told me to say that she wasn't in my jacket. Um, so, yeah. We'll take a quick break there.
2: So the next day we heard that Constance Martin was interviewed again at 4.14pm by the same officers. The interview started with the officers asking about the items the couple had lost when they fled their burning car in Bolton a few weeks before in January. DC Garvey asked how they had cared for Victoria given they had lost a lot of possessions such as baby clothes. Constance Martin said the baby had very warm clothes and she also had a waterproof onesie and she said they were able to buy more supplies as they travelled around the country.
3: Now she described how she and Mark Gordon had been shocked when they were approached by someone in Harwich in Essex, who said he recognised them from the news. It was, she said, like a nightmare. So they got to East Ham in London and realised everyone recognised them. They were jeering and pointing and taking pictures, she said. Then they decided they would be unlikely to be able to find a flat in the area as they'd originally planned.
4: Yeah, I think we were quite shocked we were on television and to realize that we might not get anywhere with the baby because everyone was recognizing us. So in order to save her from the services, then we would probably have to remove ourselves from society till we could find a house. Um, We didn't plan on sleeping outside at all.
2: So she told officers they bought a tent in Argos and eventually decided to set up camp in New Haven in Sussex. It was, she said, a consequence of all the public attention. How did that make you
1: feel?
4: Um, it was horrendous. Because Mark and I, both quite quiet people, we don't like attention. Um, yeah, it's not nice at all.
1: Are you okay? Yeah. Take your time.
4: No, I'm quite angry about the public attention. I don't think it was necessary or, and I think it had adverse effects on how we dealt with the situation with Victoria. And I don't think it's fair. She also said that before the media storm around their disappearance,
3: she was enjoying being able to be a parent to Victoria. The officers asked
4: her then how she'd been feeling after she gave birth. I was feeling fine. I was elated to be with her actually, to be with one of my children. With Mark, together, and parenting, it was a really nice Christmas period. I was very happy, actually, until all the media attention. That's my experience.
1: Were you stressed?
4: What, after everything that happened on the news? Yes,
1: with the whole situation.
4: Obviously, I was very stressed that they would take Victoria. That was in the back of my mind. But I was also happy at the same time because we were spending time together. I think the stress really came. We were seen as villains. Villains? I don't know. I didn't really see the news, but people were just judging us whatever. And that was really stressful for me.
2: She said both she and Mott Gordon had been quite traumatised by appearing in the news when they had started camping. She said she believed it was on their second day on the South Downs that Victoria died, but despite now being outside, they were still able to keep warm as it wasn't really, really cold and they had duvets and pillows. She claimed she hadn't really slept since their car had burst into flames and she'd been feeling quite stressed. And she told officers Victoria didn't sleep that often. The longest she had slept was probably around six hours without waking up.
3: She was then able to list all of the items they had with them when they left the hotel. She listed a tent, two sleeping bags, a duvet, nappies, wet wipes, a waterproof gilet, onesies, two or three undergarments as well as food. They also had a change of clothes for Victoria. The baby also had a dummy, but she didn't really use it. She was also asked about what the baby's sleeping arrangements were, and she said Victoria would sleep in the middle of the two of them, on a cot made from sleeping bags.
2: She was then asked if they had any access to water or heating and she told officers that there was a farm nearby that had big vats of rainwater which they'd been using.
3: They went over again her account of how the baby had died and she told them she'd been burping Victoria just before she fell asleep and she was then asked what she did or said when she realised Victoria was limp.
4: Um, I woke Mark up, or was he awake? I don't remember. I think he was asleep. And I told him that she wasn't moving. He didn't believe me. I told him, baby, I really don't think she's alive. And he didn't accept it.
1: He didn't what, sorry?
4: Accept that she wasn't alive. He said, no, of course she's alive. Of course she's alive. And then he said, we need to resuscitate her. She's fine. And then when I was breathing in her mouth, she... I don't know what it was, but it was like... A bubbly noise. Like water was in there or something. I don't know. It's just what it sounded like. Mark tried to resuscitate. We both tried. And nothing happened.
1: What was the next thing that you did then, after you both attempted resuscitation?
4: Um, I held her for a bit. Yeah. And I think I laid down with her on my chest for about four hours or something. Mm. And then... Mark helped me to let go of her. That's it, really.
1: When he said that to you, how did that make you feel?
4: No, he was very nice. He just said, baby, it's not good for you to hold her like that. To let go. Let go.
1: Which must have been very, very...
4: I think we lay her down between... between us for a while as well. Okay. And I kept her head on my arm. Yeah. I guess... I just didn't want to accept it.
2: She said she thought she had held Victoria for three or four hours after she had died, but Mark Gordon said she had to say goodbye. DC Garvey then asked what the couple did next.
4: I put her, I wrapped her in a... I took her clothes off her, and then I kept her nappy on. I didn't really want to change. That would have been just a bit much. So I wrapped her. I had a black scarf, and I wrapped it around her. And then I put her in the bag. Pink. It's not a particularly nice bag. So, um, Asda carrier bag, which is the only bag we had available. Is it Asda? I don't know. One of those shops. I'm not sure. A pink bag.
1: A pink bag?
4: Yeah, like a pink shopping bag. It's not particularly graceful, but that's all we had.
3: After they'd done this, she said, the couple went to bed and spent several more days in the same area, camping in the same spot. Throughout this time, Victoria's body was with them in the bag in the tent. She said whenever they had to leave the tent, they would take her body with them in case there were foxes or other wildlife around.
2: She said it was at this point she had bought the bottle of petrol and they had later got a bus into Brighton to buy some food. They sat on Brighton Beach and ate it. And after that, they went to one of the parks in the city where they set up camp. Within a wooded area in the park, she said, they had moved camp four or five times over the weeks that followed.
3: But she said as time passed, the bag became really heavy, too heavy to carry because neither she nor Mark Gordon had eaten in a long time. So occasionally they were forced to leave the bag with Victoria's body in it behind, in the tent or on a nearby allotment. By this time, she said, they'd put earth on Victoria's body to mask the smell. She was asked by the officers
4: how she was feeling. Um, shock? Um, sadness, grief, anger. Because we'd gone through so much to hide her. It was like it ended really badly. Like we'd gone through so much to keep her with us. Keep her hidden from the authorities. But yeah, I don't know. Lots of different emotions.
1: How was Mark feeling?
4: He's the father, so the same. I think he was very shocked. Disbelief. I think disbelief mainly at the start, and he was extremely upset as well. So I think we've both been quite traumatised by the whole thing. Plus the press. It's just been quite a lot to deal with.
1: When you were arrested, what were your thoughts then?
4: Um, fear. Predominantly anger. Fear they'd find the body.
1: What do you think you were eventually going to do with Victoria?
4: I don't know. It was getting to the point where we just couldn't carry the body around anymore. So we did have a shovel from the allotment, and I was going to try and dig in the forest, but Mark and I were quite weak by that point, because we hadn't eaten in a long time. Mark was extremely thin, um, so I, neither of us had the strength to dig after about when it got to like a few months
2: So Constance Martin told detectives that their final plan had been to dig a temporary six-foot grave, but they needed food, so that's why they'd gone to the shop. They'd planned to come back at a later date, once they'd managed to get some money to give her a proper burial, she said.
3: So, Jack, one of the things we found out at the start of this case in the opening statement from the prosecution was the couple had four children taken into care before Victoria was born. And this week we have found out a bit more about that. And it revolves around an incident in which Constance Martin appeared to fall out of a window at their home.
2: Yeah, that's right. So the jury have been told limited information about this so far. But in her police interview, Constance Martin was asked about what led to her children being taken away.
4: Well, like, I'm, I'm of the opinion that my children are taken unlawfully and um, they shouldn't be taken. I had an accident and the family court were blaming Mark for it. Absolutely no evidence. Uh, so that's why my children were taken. And I believe he was... I mean, I'm of the opinion that they used that as an excuse.
1: used the accident?
4: Yeah, to take the children away.
1: Tell me about that.
4: What do you mean?
1: What do you mean you had an accident?
4: Well, I had an accident.
1: Can I ask what kind of accident you're describing?
4: Uh, Yeah, I had a fall from a window. Uh, Yeah, there were no bruises on me, no signs of domestic violence. So how they came to that conclusion... um, Quite phenomenal, to be honest.
1: How did that make you feel, the whole...
4: I was furious by it, because our children suffered massively. So Jack, the detective, then asked Constance Martin about her relationship with Mark
3: Gordon, and he noted that she was wearing a wedding ring. She said they had been together for eight or nine years and they'd got married in Peru seven years earlier, but the marriage isn't recognised here in the UK.
2: Yeah, so she said they'd first met in a shop in London. They'd gone for a coffee and it went from there. She said they had lots of similarities and the same perspectives on life. She said their relationship was very good and she's quite strong-minded, so she wouldn't have been with him if that wasn't the case. She described him as her soulmate.
3: Yeah, she said she thought members of her family had involved social services with a couple of their children. She said her family had come to hear about the fall that she'd suffered because they'd been involved with social services for years, trying to get involved with her children.
1: Did you call the police or anything like that?
4: Did I call the police? No.
1: No, OK. And was any allegation made in respects to that fall?
4: There were no allegations until the childcare case. So that's it
3: for today. We should remind you, Constance Martin and Mark Gordon deny manslaughter by gross negligence. They also deny perverting the course of justice, concealing the birth of a child, child cruelty and causing or allowing the death of a child.
2: We will be back later this week with the evidence from Mark Gordon's police interviews. In the meantime, you can follow us on X at the Trial Podcast or contact us on thetrial at mailmetromedia.co.uk.
3: You can leave a comment on Spotify or even send us a voice note on WhatsApp on 07796-657512. Start your message with the word trial.
2: See you then.
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Our hit series, Everything I Know About Me, is back for a brand-new season. And this
0: time, our guest needs no introduction. i have you to find me, Darren! But here's one anyway. Hi, I'm Gemma Collins, and this is Everything I Know About Me.
1: If you think you know all about Gemma Collins, think again. Because this is the GC as you've never heard her before.
3: It's been exhausting. Unashamed. And, and I was really heartbroken because I was pregnant and he was having an affair. Unfiltered. I have had an operation as well years ago. I have a designer vagina. Yeah, baby! I don't have camel toe. Unbelievable. And then they advised me, you need to have a termination. And, uh yeah... I remember that being really stressful. That hurt me.
1: Everything I Know About Me with Gemma Collins is out this Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.